I just want to encourage us this morning by starting off with this. Um, I believe we're living in such beautiful, awesome, wonderful times in the Lord. But I do believe the church is, is, uh, has really come under a little bit of, of uh, attack. And I don't want to put any uh, emphasis on the enemy. So I just want to say a real attack um, just in the circumstantial situations and things of our lives. Um, and I want us this morning, if we catch anything, just to, to be stirred up that um, a lot of this actually we can turn it, God always turns everything for good, that it just challenges my heart and make sure that my heart is right. Make sure, sure that my heart is aligned to God. Make sure that what I'm singing and what I'm declaring I actually do believe. And that, so I always take everything that the enemy throws at me as a, as a, as a, as a positive, not, a, not as a negative. Um, it's just an opportunity for God to just bring us back into that into that place, and um, we, need, we, just, we need to be constantly reminded as a church, uh, not just as 24-7 church, but as a church worldwide, the main goal and purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was to restore us back into relationship with the Father. Amen. Even when Jesus declared, um, I think it's John 14, I think, verse 6, when um, he was... Uh, encouraging us. Um, he said, no one comes to the Father. No, no one goes to heaven. No one goes to the Father except through me. Um, the whole goal, the whole purpose is relationship with God. Um, we, um, often as the church and, 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 and the religious community of the church, turned it into blessing and provision and God's protection and some kind of security insurance uh, for when we die. But actually, it's actually all about relationship. And you know, when, when um, and I have to always, I have to go back to the garden, sorry. I have to always go back to the garden. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, the whole purpose, yes, He provided beautiful uh, garden. He planted all the, the, the trees and, and every provision for them. But the whole purpose was relationship. He wanted a relationship with man. He wanted a relationship with Adam and Eve. Yes, he did provide. The, we as the people of God must never forget that, that yes, God does provide. Yes, he does all those things. Yes, it's beautiful. But the whole purpose is relationship with him. Amen. So everything that we do is just to bring us back to that beautiful place of intimacy and relationship with him. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes and the, the Sadducees and all the others that couldn't see, um, they... They were, they were, um, you know, they, they were looking at, uh, they were looking at the, at the, at the at Peter and John. They were looking at the disciples, and um, they actually realized these are uneducated men. But they saw and realized something else. They realized they had been with Jesus. Uh, I think that's Acts, Acts chapter four, verse thirteen. It's a clear understanding for every single one of us that the. The mandate and the focus is being with Jesus, not just get, gaining a whole bunch of knowledge, right? Um, education without being with Jesus is just knowledge. And guess what knowledge does? Puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. So you see, when relationship when education comes with relationship 
Guess what it becomes? becomes love. And it edifies. It doesn't just puff up. Amen? Maybe I'll just say something now quickly, and I'm going to come back and wrap, wrap it properly. Um, but you know me, I like to uh, throw something out that really stirs. Now let me say it like this. Is I believe that as a church, we need to get something grounded, firm, established in our lives because I believe we're going into times now and the Bible tells us that it's not going to remove the storms. The storms are going to come. But when the storms come, the guy's built his house on the rock that's steadfast, that's sure. The storms will come, the storms will go, but he will not be affected. Um, so to stay true, to stay focused, to stay the course um, is, is key during these, these days. I really do believe, I was sharing um, with someone this morning, I can't remember, um, about how stay the course, stay on, stay on the track. Uh, the enemy is trying to take us off onto another track, but if you stay on this, that track, it's vic- there is victory. He paid the price. We've read the book. We know how the, how the end works. Not just the end of when he comes back, but the end of, of staying on the course of trusting and believing in him and letting him lead. So he's trying to take us off that if we stay on that course. But the things that try and distract us, I'll just drop this out and then we can, um, I'll, we'll try and unpack a little bit this morning. Um, what happens for a lot of believers, not, no one here, but um, what happens for a lot of believers <laughs> is that um, when they're reading the Word of God, they look, they're looking at, the, at every promise literally, and they're looking at the outcome of life factually, and then they're weighing it up against God. Often no, no relationship, no awareness of God, no communion in prayer, no fellowship of Holy Spirit, just a rigid knowledge of the Bible. And the result of that is it ends up challenging God every single day. See, if you, if you read the Word in that way, if you operate in that particular way, God could fail you from the time you wake up till the time you go to sleep. See, for me, that's a two-headed monster. It's because we're thinking too much. The Bible says Jesus is the head. So I want to help us unpack that a little bit. You might go, I don't really understand that. Okay, let me give you a quick example, and then um, I will unpack it a little bit. Um, you know, Philippians 4, 19. Have you got a fridge? <laughs> got some magnets on the... No, okay. Um, my God, shall supply all my needs. Yes, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Woo! Amen. Amen, brother. So, I take the word, my God shall supply all of my needs. Um, my debit order for uh, my bond runs on the 28th of the month, and uh, it's now the 29th of the month, and I went and had a look, and it bounced. No, it didn't. I'm just giving you an example, right? Just in case you panic and... 
But all donations are welcome. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, so, so we go along and we see, okay, my debit order bounced. Um, so now I assess something factually, my experience, and I weigh it up. The Lord failed. It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church. We'll just have to put that somewhere else because I'll go back to that didn't land very well. I'll just have to. I'm moving on. It's like it's getting a bit nervous. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. See, we look at circumstances, situations. We look at ones we've lost. And we have a hard time believing God has not failed. In fact, you know, even we sing all our beautiful songs. But the question we ask ourselves this morning is, do we believe what we're singing? Because this is what's speaking um, into our minds a lot of the time. And the, the hard truth, let, let me just say that, the tough truth, the, the real truth this morning if we in any way think He failed us, we don't really have a true relationship with Him because we don't trust Him. One of the well, two biggest lies that the enemy has tried to, to cause the church to believe uh, is, first of all, God allowed it or God let it happen. You see, with our human reasoning, there's two trees in the garden. There was one that was never, ever meant to be eaten from. Oh, I love the garden. I'll, that tree, I tell you, the Lord would have had to stop me because he said, don't eat of it. Man, I'd have put an axe to that sucker. <laughs> I would have been every day digging that baby up, and the Lord would probably be putting it back, but... Uh, that is just, it's a nasty tree. It's not a good tree. So with our human reasoning, you know, we come up with God allowed it. God let it happen. And there's only one result when you eat from that tree, friends, is it makes you draw back, not draw near. And this is what's happening in these, in these last days is many of believers Believing lies, believing the enemy's rubbish, they, they draw back, not draw into. And I believe as a church, God's mobilizing us to just be more into Him. Because we know, like we know, and it's, it's, I know it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, but it is, it is the truth. God never fails. Never. He never, ever fails. It's impossible. He's God. He cannot fail. See, we take a, a, an aspect of God, we take a character trait or an attribute or a promise of God, and, uh, and then we hold Him to it. We uh, honestly don't realize that we're doing that, but we do. We go search the Word, we go find something. We, this character of God, this aspect of God, protection. Get, grab hold of something of this aspect, and we say, right, and protect it. And then something happens in our lives where somebody was able to get in and now we, we hold them to that so now we see that 
process technically through our own human reasoning. And, uh, and that ends up with only one result, and that's that God led us down. That He failed us. See, a lot of the time, the people of God, we say, God loves me because of this result or this outcome. That's, he loves me because this happened or that outcome. Can I say this, that God loves you because He sent His Son to die for you. That is love. He didn't just give His Son to die. That's mind-blowing. But He also gave His Son to die on a cross. A horrific death. Done deal. Sorted. God loves me. That has to be settled. That's standing on the rock. That's not standing on shifting, sifting, lifting, whatever ifting. That's standing on the rock, solid ground, that whenever he wants to try and to come and to attack, I will never be moved from that particular place. I, I'm fascinated too, and I'm dropping this in Wow, Lord, I don't know, uh, maybe I shouldn't be, but um, I'm fascinated how much of, um, in Christian TV and, and, and people that I respect and that I acknowledge, how much of what comes out of their mouth in the days that we're living in is uh, almost like a license to be to doubt. A license to be unsure. No, no, that's just, that's, that's who we are. Look, that's, that's, you can't make that statement. I can make any statement that the Holy Spirit empowers me to make or the Holy Spirit wants me to make. Amen. Can I say this completely up front? There is zero self-made in the kingdom of God. Zero. In the world, you can be self-made whatever you want. Millionaire, tortoise, whatever. You can be self-made. But in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, there's no self-made. There's only grace empowered. And if grace empowers us, then I want to be everything that grace empowers me to be. I want to be listening to what God says about me and what God's telling me who I am rather than anything else. Amen. Because in myself, I know. But in Him, whoo, man, I can do all things through Christ. Amen. We need to set our hearts on who God is and keep it there. Otherwise, in these last days, we are seeing people make crazy and unnecessary mistakes. We're in a war and the enemy is looking for any foothold or weakness to get into our daily lives. See, the gospel is not a Sunday morning gospel. It's not about Sunday meetings. It's not about events. The gospel is about our daily walk and our daily lives. Let me say this. If there is something in your life that determines whether you love God, I promise you now, today, that that is a target. Anything in our lives that determines whether we love God is a target in the king, in in the enemy's eyes. And if that is the case, church, what happens in all sincerity this morning is that our love is conditional. It is not covenant. And the people of God are meant to be walking in the covenant love of God. Not conditional love, but unconditional love. And that's my heart this morning, is to just us to grab hold of this um, 
You know, I can say this now without any uh, emotion, is um, when we understand what Jesus did, we understand He came and He died, and what He did in His death and, and, and in conquering. Um, I, my dad passed away last year, um, but my dad never died because of Jesus. He's just not here. I don't know if you understand that. He never died. Because when you believe in Jesus, you will never die. You see, now we've got to stand on that. I don't want to live by the emotions or the feelings or the sensuality of what we journey and, and, and the loss of this or that. I need to stand on the Word of God to understand and to be able to live in a strength and in power. But what happens is for a lot of the people of God, we are moved rather by worry or fear or, or concern. That begins to dictate our lives. It begins to dictate our prayer. begins to dictate our feelings, our emotions, our actual um, stand in the Lord. For me, really is prayer a declaration of what you really believe. that really is prayer a declaration of what you believe see really is prayer communion with God thanking him for covenant and truth and who he is because the enemy comes to bombard me and I have emotions and feelings now I want to address those emotions and feelings and God's saying, just don't worry about that. Declare who you are. Declare, let, rise up and begin to declare who I am and what the truth is. That's actually what prayer is all about, actually. Prayer is very powerful, very powerful in the Bible. Prayer is a, is a tool that God's given us. How many know a spanner is a phenomenal thing? Um, if you've got nuts... <laughs> Moving on, quickly... This I laughed a bit more, so this is, it's very important that you use the spanner, right, for the nuts. But how many know a spanner is not the most effective tool as a hammer? I know we need to convince certain departments and people about that, and I won't mention names. We use spanners as hammers, but um, it's a powerful tool when used correctly. Prayer is a powerful tool when used correctly. But when it's used and uh, uh, swayed and dictated at how it operates through emotions and feelings and, and circumstances, friends, it it's, 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 has no power. See, when we use our emotions and our feelings and our circumstances, what happens is we get technical. And when we get technical, we run it through our analytical process. I am totally, totally convinced that there was not an analytical process before the eight of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't have to go and analyze and weigh up. We, I mean, it's, there's a way that seems right to man. We listen to some of the stuff that people say and 
God gave us this brain so that we can actually weigh things up and measure and do a, a whole analysis. Listen, I trained for years and years as an accountant. It took me... <laughs> took me a long journey away from the kingdom of God. I love debits and credits. I love all the whole... I mean, I am passionate about... And I'm, I'm talking to some converted here who are financially trained. The reality is, friends, we have to make sure that we're operating according to the kingdom of God and according to the word of God. And this little analytical process here often is just not kingdom, and it was not, it was, it was not before the fall. It was after the fall we got given this, this guy. So we get technical. We run it through our analytical process with human reasoning. Don't we find it so fascinating that your little peanut and my peanut has gone through life and experiences and all of that. It has developed the highways and the roads and everything inside of it. And now we take things and we put it in there and we think we're going to get a different result. We are mentally retarded. <laughs> it's going to end up the same place every single time. It's my roads. It's my highway. For goodness sake, I am right in this peanut brain. Every single time. You won't believe it. It's fantastic. Every time I put it inside you and have human reasoning, I get to, I was right. <laughs> it's a dangerous place to put it. The battle is up here. I'd rather skip here and work with here. Heart is vital. It's very, very important. It's the whole focus. God says, the mouth you confess, with the heart you believe. What you believe, it's in your heart. Not yeah. Brrr. Brrr. What was that about? I don't know. That's probably mine. The engine's not running quite the way it should, but anyway. Uh, you know. So we run it through our human reasoning, we assess it all. Somehow we come out finding that God is guilty, strangely enough. Now we don't really trust him because why am I still sick? Why didn't he heal me? Why did I not get that job? Why did I not get that promotion? Why did he not give me that parking right in front of the pick and pay that I deserve because I'm as a Christian, I was believing him, I used my faith and everything. Why has nothing changed? I've been praying for years. Well, maybe you're wanting things or something or someone to change for your sake. Also, James chapter 4, verse 3 in your Bible, too. You can go read it. We pray amiss. Because we're praying for our own desires. My Bible, 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15 says, We pray anything according to His will. Rather than seeking to honor God and His kingdom and His kingdom purposes, some prayers seek to gratify self centered desires and passions. Throwing it all in. I felt that drop. <laughs> Oops. Let's keep the, keep the pathway open there, Luke. Um, <laughs> Not all pleasure is wrong, but does it have the glory of the Lord as its goal? I was actually, I just was meditating on this last night. I thought it's a good thing to just throw in. You know, we're going to read Revelations, and Revelations... Um, it says, this is how we overcome, by the blood of the Lamb, word of our testimony. I think that was it. No, no. <laughs> and the last part, loving not our lives, even unto death. 
Do you know that the third one brings power to the first two? The third one is actually what makes the first two so powerful. If all we are doing is pleading the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony for our sake, then we won't see the presence and power of God move mightily. But when I've died to myself, and now I'm pleading the blood of Jesus, and I'm declaring the word of my testimony for His sake, changes. Everything changes. Amen? See, if God has to heal me for me to see His love, then I have not seen His love. And then I will never, ever be rooted and grounded in love. And if I'm not rooted and grounded in love, then circumstances will be the barometer of my love. And unfortunately, the consequence or the conclusion of all of that is we live up and down seesaw lives because circumstances are determining my love for him and where I'm at. Rusty, you just need some oil. And uh, see, how can I be rooted and grounded in love if one circumstance can challenge his love? I'll never be rooted and grounded if just a circumstance challenges. Well, do you really love me, Lord? Gee, that doesn't seem to fit into my incredibly well orchestrated highways and town planning up here. Mm. See, what happens is the church ends up being a praying people, but we are driven by need. My motive is need, my heart is offbeat, my motive is not covenant and trust. It looks and sounds spiritual, but it's actually carnal and fleshly and cannot please the Lord. The Bible says at best it's double-minded. And a double-minded man, James chapter 1, verse 8, is unstable in all his ways. Let him not expect to receive anything, anything from the Lord. I hope this gets better. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. This is just God just encouraging us. Honestly, please hear it. Don't hear it as a whoa, flip. Um, the Bible says we must not lean on our own understanding. We must acknowledge Him in everything that we do. See, my, my Bible tells me 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 5, it talks about that I pull down every vain imagination, every lofty thought that raises itself above the knowledge of God. It doesn't say analyze it, check it all out, check the debits, the credits, do a whole bunch of stuff. It just says pull it down. So, so what's the word say? Pull the rest down. Anything that tries to raise itself above the word, pull it down. I don't, I don't have to analyze, I don't have to check anything, I just have to pull it down. What I believe. This is what I believe. Stand on, on what I believe. Um, let me encourage you with this truth. This truth, there's someone here who needs to grab hold of this. This is very powerful. One of... One of the things that has been allowed to the enemy, that enemy has lied to the church, is about our thoughts. See, when we get born again and then we come into Christianity and now we're walking this journey, then God takes away all those thoughts. Who said that? 
So, so all he's got to do is give us those thoughts, and then what we do is we take those thoughts, and then we take ownership of those thoughts. See, we think we win if the thoughts go. So now I've got to take 17 years, and 17 is my favorite number, so that's why it's 17. If you want to ask me afterwards, 15 and a half years. We take, we take all this time now, we go through all this deliverance ministry, all through this, these different things uh, so that we can get these thoughts removed so we no longer have these thoughts. Let's see, the goal is not the thoughts go away. The goal is that when they come, you never believe them because you know they are not in your heart. They actually should not even bother you there. It should be the springboard. One thing I do in my life, is I've, and it's all in the Word of God, it just tells me categorically from the beginning and always, forever and e- eternally, Satan is a liar. He doesn't know how to tell the truth. He doesn't, know, he doesn't have any capacity to do that. So all I've got to get is get him to speak. So I'm not intimidated if the enemy speaks. As soon as the enemy speaks, I know exactly what truth is. So if he wants to keep giving me stuff and speaking to me in my head, whoo, come on. You motivate me because he comes and he says, you will amount to nothing. You're a failure. Whoo, praise God. That means I am an overcomer. That means that I will never fail. That means that I am successful of who I am. You see, immediately he opens his mouth. But you see, when the thoughts come, we want to take ownership of those thoughts and say, oh. You see, if he's foolish enough to keep coming with the thoughts, all he's doing is establishing me more and more in the truth. Woo. <laughs> you see, and the problem is if you start to allow those thoughts to dictate and tell you who you are, you see, you're now ministering to sensuality. If you're ministering to sensuality, then you're trying to get results instead of building truth. And in that system, you're never free. Because the thoughts will go away and you go, praise God, what a magnificent way. This is, the, this is the deliverance ministry of deliverance ministries. I don't think like that anymore. Then two weeks later, suddenly the thought comes and you go, ah, oh, flap. I didn't get free. I need to phone them again. I'm just giving them an eternal job. Because the thoughts are going to come and every single time I'm going to rely more and more on them to try and help me and you'll never get free. That system, we never get free. Never. You might get, feel like you, you've, you've handled it for a while. It, it'll come back. Because it's not founded on truth. It's not founded on Jesus Christ. You'll always be needing prayer. See, what we believe is key. If your feelings is your highest belief, then we need to separate our feelings out and impart truth and watch as we begin to live out truth, the feelings change. That's the biblical way of doing it. See, if when, you, when you don't believe God loves you because of something you did or something that happened, what happens and what does it produce in your feelings? See, if you believe you're not forgiven or you're a failure, imagine how that affects your emotions and feelings. See, my whole goal as a minister of the gospel is to minister into your belief system, not your emotions and feelings. 
See, what, the, what does the Bible mean when it says submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you? That's not a two-step process. If you've got a two-step process, you're in trouble. That's a one-step process. Submit to God. In your submission to God, uh, you will resist the devil and he will flee. In your submission to the truth, in your submission to what he has called you to, as you surrender to that, he will do what he needs to do. You know, I always use this example, Jane. I know it doesn't mind me using it, but um, a good few years back, Jane was hijacked, and um, the hijackers came in a car behind, and they, they were on gravel, and they, they kind of roared up, and they hit brakes, and it slid on the gravel, like, <gasps> on, on loose stone, uh, you know, and what have you. And, and uh, after that, there was, a, there, was a, um, uh, there was opportunity in the days ahead where there was loose gravel and some car would drive up near us or close to us, whatever, and they'd break or make exactly the same sound. So you'd hear that. So in her heart, she had a choice. She could either, whoo, fear, thoughts come. Oh, what, what? Oh, I'm still not free. I better go and have some more ministry and help me some more to get free of this. No, no, she just, all she did is she just... And initially she began to declare and speak the exact opposite. Thank you, Lord, that you, you're good, that you're protecting me, that you began, she began to, to declare and to prophesy um, the exact opposite because she didn't take ownership of it just because those thoughts came didn't mean it was in her heart and didn't mean that she was still struggling with fear. Enemy comes all the time. He comes in. That's why the Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion, in case you didn't know. He's not a lion. He just goes around like a roaring lion. Because when you go around like a roaring lion, the guys that are actually are not are fakers will run. That's how you tell. That's how he tells. Woohoo! Get him. He's definitely, he's just running. The other guys are standing there. Oh, pathetic. I hear the line of the tribe of Judah roar. That is a pathetic roar. <laughs> Moving on. You see, if you believe it's yours, you believe the lie, then it becomes yours. You take ownership of it. See, the Bible says, if you will know the truth, not that the words... And the voices will stop. Just if you know the truth, it'll set you free. See any flashbacks, memories? Um, you just don't let them have a voice. Um, can I even say this? This is the power of, of the believer. Is you don't have to even mention the flashback or bind the devil or even plead the blood. All you have to do is declare truth. Now I believe in the blood of Jesus. Uh, I believe in declaring the blood of Jesus. I'm just trying to help us here. You just tell the circumstance, the situation, or you just tell the Lord how good He is and what He's done and how wonderful it is that you stand in the finished work of the cross. I'm landing. I've got time. I want to land with this. Yes. I want to land with this thought because, and, and, and hear me out and go study it and you can... It's a truth that I, have, um, I believe with every part of my being. There are a lot of people that are not on this page, but I'm on this page. And I just this morning I thought, oh, let me just declare it and share it and you can, you can journey it. If you go with me to Romans chapter 4, I, I want to I I share something. In light of all that I've shared this morning, I want to share this. Because if you grab hold of this, you... 
Romans chapter 4, I want you to kind of, uh, I wish we could read the whole chapter because it's all relevant um, in understanding what I'm, what I'm going to jump to, but, but let me just maybe jump to um, verse, um, so from verse 17, as is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He's talking about Abraham. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. Uh, As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is very powerful. That is a New Testament uh, book, uh, Romans, verses in the New Testament. Paul speaking this and declaring this. It's very categoric. It's very clear. It's very powerful, right? He says there, he did not weaken in faith. Um, He did not waver concerning the promise of God um, when he even considered the barrenness of Sarah. Then I went to my Bible to Genesis chapter 17, and I began to read the story. And I read the story of Abraham that Sarah came to him and said, listen, this is not working. We're doing our bit. We're following the processes that God told us how to be fruitful and multiply, and it's not working. So my suggestion is why don't you take my maid servant Hagar, and why don't you see if you can produce with her. And Abraham is a good, obedient husband. <laughs> no, listen, on those days there was, there was fraught promiscuity and stuff going on, okay? So let's not get sidetracked in the, in the wrong area. The reality is that he said, okay, let's try and do this, and um, they have Ishmael. Now, as far as my brain understands and as far as my brain works out, that doesn't sound like somebody who never wavered. That sounds like there's either a contradiction here or I've missed something in my understanding here. But this sounds like a person that actually tried to go in another, another way. Then when you read Genesis chapter 17, God calls, so God speaks to Abraham, he tells Abraham a whole bunch of stuff, Sarah, uh, they try, Sarah doesn't, it seem like it's working here, here's Hagar, they've now had Ishmael, and God calls him back before him and says, this is what I'm going to do, and what's interesting is you'll, if you, I haven't got time this morning to unpack it, but go read it and study it, you'll see Abraham actually falls on the ground laughing. Um, when God tells him, hey, no, don't worry, 100 years is nothing for me, I can do it. So all the guys, no, um, let's not go there. So, so the reality is, is, is that he's speaking to Abraham and he's saying to him, no, no. And Abraham says, oh, God, that Ishmael might live, which tells us Ishmael was around, right? So he'd already done this. And then God says, no, I'm not going to do it with Ishmael. I'm going to do it through my own even Sarah, she giggles a little bit. <laughs> um, this is going to be so funny. Um, but the reality is God does it. Now, why, how can Paul write this? 
Because there comes a place which we don't read about where Abraham comes before the Lord and repents and says, I am so sorry. And God says, okay, that in terms, because it was Abraham's faith that made him righteous, remember? It's counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed that. So this is after Paul's writing after that point. He's saying, no, I, I don't see before. I remove it. See, if you catch this, you catch the gospel. He's that good. I know it's freaking your brain out. Right now, it's freaking your brain out. I'm telling you right now, when you come and you surrender and you give your life to Jesus Christ, God takes care of everything. I don't even, I could show you, I don't even have time to, if I could, un, oh, can I unpack it, Lord? Um, See, Paul's talking about when Abraham stood before the Lord the second time. Our problem is in life, we don't do the same. Even if the person has repented, we remember the first. Um, they, we even remember in our own lives the first. See, in the gospel, you have to remember when you repented for the Lord, you're forgiven, you're filled, and then you move on in God. And if you want scriptures, just for the sake of time, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 to 23, the Bible, Paul says, all are yours, present and future, zero mention of past. All are yours. Romans 8, 37 to 39, whether things present or or things to come, nothing can separate you from the love of God. He doesn't even mention the past. Why does he not mention the past? Because in those days they understood that Jesus had taken care of your past. You don't have to. That does not dictate to you anymore. That's not who you are. So when we stand in God and when we have all these thoughts coming and bombarding us, we need to rise up and begin to declare. Prayer is about declaring who you are, declaring who God is and where God has taken you, not dealing with the stuff. In fact, uh, often we, 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 if we're strong in, 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 in truth, um, we don't have to actually, uh, that stuff doesn't even cause us to pray because I don't see the problem. He comes, he goes, ah, you see, look what you, you see what you did again. You see, you're still limping in that area. And I don't even even see the problem because I know who I am. I just begin to declare, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you forgave me of everything, that I'm walking free. I'm walking in liberty. I'm walking as a son. I'm walking in the blessing and the favor of God. He's leading me in triumph. You're good. You turn everything, no matter what happens in my life, you turn it always for good. I'm beginning to declare that that's, that's prayer. Prayer, it's very powerful. Um, you may even, I'll quickly, I'll just do this one quickly because I know I can see some people are just, the wheels are turning and, and it's like, oh, I'm not sure of this stuff, eh? This is uh, cutting edge nonsense. No, it's cutting edge truth. Let me, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, this is what Paul says. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. This is how you should regard us, right? 
He says, this is how you should regard us. How should we regard us? This is how you should regard us. It's how you should look at us. How you should understand us. Um, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself. <laughs> uh, he ran into a wall, hit his head really hard. <laughs> really? A little while ago, he was actually killing people for the gospel. But he's saying here, I, I'm not even aware of anything against myself. Wow. That is powerful that, I can, that he can say that. I mean, I love that it carries on and says, but I'm not hereby acquitted. Just helping us understand this is an arrogance. I'm not now saying I've, I'm, I've, I'm judged and everything's cool, whatever. He's saying I don't judge myself. I'm not even aware there is anything against me, but I'm not the judge. Jesus is the judge, and if, if there is something, well, then I leave it to him. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, I do not pronounce judgment before the time. So here's Paul again, also just declaring something so radical that it, we skip it and we miss the, the revelation here of that he realized that when he got born again, God removed everything. Because if you remember in other parts of Scripture, he also actually said, listen, I'm the worst of all. He, was not a, he's not, he's not, he didn't get amnesia. He didn't, wasn't misunderstood of, of what he had done in his life. He was understanding what Jesus had done. So he wasn't hiding what he had done. He was more convinced and understanding of what Jesus had done and what, why he now, who he was standing in. He was now in Christ. And in Christ, when God looks, all he saw was somebody who has never sinned. The record's been removed, Colossians. All the stuff has gone, been taken away. There is no more record anymore. As far as the east is from the west, I will stand before the Lord one day to hold, be held accountable. But I will not be held accountable for that which Jesus has removed and taken away. I'll be held for what I have done with the incredible, precious gift of Christ in my life. There is one foundation. It's Jesus Christ. How I build on it, I will be held accountable. Every single other believer will be held accountable for their sins because they have not put them under the blood of Jesus Christ and not allowed Him to, take, to remove them. But friends, we, we have been set free from our past so that we have a now and a future. And in my now and a future, I'm not going to believe what the enemy tells me about my past. Amen. I'm landing. I promise I'm landing. I'm not going to get human reasoning to talk me out of this incredible book. I don't like that tree. I never liked that tree. I never want to like that tree. If I go back to the tree in the garden and I have a look in the garden, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15 tells me that Adam was a living being. Jesus comes along. Jesus, yes, he was involved. Makes, uh, God makes Adam and Eve um, and he, and he, he makes them a living being. And they're living inside of there. There's just life inside of them. And he tells them, don't eat of that tree. They're living beings. They have the life of God. And the life of God will always remain there. You eat of that tree, you will surely die. So death was not around, but if you eat of that tree, you die. Life was inside of them. They ate of the tree, they died. Jesus comes back, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he, he is now what? He is a life-giving spirit. The life-giving spirit now dwells inside of me. I do not die ever again. My life-giving spirit, Jesus Christ, who's inside of me, will not change because I 
eat from the tree or I do anything wrong or because I sin. Because this life-giving spirit is not based on what I do. It's based on Jesus Christ. I am different to Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve were told not to eat to that tree. They were living beings that had life inside of them. But if they did, ate from that tree, they lost the life, they died. When you're in Jesus Christ, you can never, ever lose your life. Woo, I'm spitting, I'm so excited. It's, it's Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were dead. We were buried in Christ. We were raised again to what? Newness of life. It's a different life, friends. It's not that old life. It's a new life in Jesus Christ. It cannot be stolen from me ever, ever again. The only way I can be robbed of it is my peanut. There's a big sign saying there, this has been made in a factory that has nuts. <laughs> now, I've spat a lot with all of that. I hope you got my heart. Uh, uh, we, we cannot, let's stop. We cannot, we cannot let the enemy lie to us anymore. We, we, must, we must settle into solid ground. As the people of God, we must, we must so be overcome by how good God is and stop listening to the lies. He really is that good. The religious people of the day are the ones that have tried to root into our minds and our thinking that is a wrong lens, friends, that it's always around us. It's performance and what we have to do or don't do. And, and Jesus Christ has done everything. He fulfilled 100% performance. I have to rest in that. I am not self-made. I am Christ-made, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I go according to His grace. I'm not going to do. There is no super saints. There's just people that are weak and frail in themselves that have surrendered to the life of God. And now the life of God works inside of them. Paul could say, I've learned to be content. He wasn't saying I have been able to, through experience, strengthen myself that sometimes um, I, I've learned to eat my crackers uh, and I've also learned to have caviar. He's not saying that. What he's saying is I've learned to be content. It doesn't matter whether which one. I'm content because Christ is inside of me. And he's enabling me, and I'm walking this journey with him, and I'm so relaxed and so, so uh, um, confident, so confident in Jesus Christ. It's why when I shared, I know it's, um, quickly to repeat it, is to say when I shared about the letter, in, in, in the letter to Smyrna in, in, in Revelations, just to encourage you, it is a radical letter that is the church today because it has no theology of understanding uh, that anything negative, just Jesus, and that's why they judge him constantly, 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 and think he fails, and then they end up being taken away and drawn away. The reality is, friends, that letter, Jesus Christ himself, Speaking to the church in Smyrna tells them, some of you are going to suffer. That, our theology doesn't even make sense. We go, no ways, it can't be God. Whatever, those guys must rise up and, and begin to declare to him. Acts chapter 5, the apostles are thrown into jail. James is one of the apostles. He's thrown into jail. They go into jail. The angel comes and lets him out. James goes, whoop. Awesome, I'm let out. A few chapters later, James is thrown into prison and his head's chopped off. Friends, it's the same God. He's not wavering in terms of who God is. He's just trusting God. Some God might let out of prison. Some God might put in prison. Some might have to be martyred. 
He's still the same God. He's good. He's so good. He's just in control. We've got to be uh, not a people that are just taking a whole bunch of scriptures and quoting it so we can get some provision and blessing and, and, and protection and, and have a good life. We've got to understand this relationship that I trust Him with my life. If my life, before I was even born, the days of my life were numbered. If my life is 57 years or my life is uh, 90 years, it doesn't matter. I trust Him. He's so good. I'm not going to let the enemy lie to me. My, my belief system does not waver on my emotions and my feelings. It stays steadfast on truth. Amen. This is the truth. This is what I believe. This is what I stand on. And then when it comes, these other things and the emotions and feelings, I'm not going to waver. I know God loves me. Why? Because he sent his son. I don't know anybody who would have more love than that that say, listen, I'm my son, I'm going to give my son to die for you. Whoa. And a horrific death. It's a done deal. I'm sorted. Just because I can't understand it through this human reasoning and peanut brain and analytical thing is why not everybody gets healed or, or why I didn't get that job. I know he knows all. I know he loves me. I know I'm in the right place when I'm in his hand. And when we understand that, friends, it cannot shake us. Throw whatever you want. My life is not dictated to by that. I know who I am and I know who he is. And I'm walking in that revelation and that truth. And if I stay that course, I always win. Always win. If I don't get that, 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 that um, promotion or whatever, I know that he has a better plan. And even if that plan does not mean I get a big deposit into my bank account, I trust that plan because he's, he's all-knowing and he's wise and he loves me. And I know he leads me in triumph. He wants the best for me. See, I'm just quoting scripture. That's all. I'm just, I'm just declaring scripture. That's what our lives, we've got to get to that place. We must not be shaken anymore. Amen. Shall we stand? We must not be shaken. Thank you. Now, I know this is not like easy. I know this is not... I. Uh, I know this challenges our heart, and some of it's like, oh, need to go study that. I love, if I've stirred you up this morning just to go study, then good. I love the Word. I'm passionate about the Word. I believe in truth, and I know that I do my best to deliver what God has given me, and I'm very, very happy to uh, repent if somebody can show me any differently. Um, but I'll just tell you, anything that starts to stink a little bit of self um, is generally wrong. So if we, if we feel sometimes where the enemy comes and he bombards me, and I, and I know I'm, I'm actually in self-preservation mode, <laughs> I'm just trying to protect myself now, then I know it mm, doesn't smell right. Um, so I just want to encourage you, as, as you're doing this, just allow the Lord to so work. But I want to pray for us. I felt like the Lord say there are some people here this morning that the enemy has lied to you, um, particularly with a bombardment of thoughts. I just felt there was, a, there was um, um, just a bombardment of, of, of thinking, and, um, and it stopped you because you've, you've thought that actually maybe that, that is you, or that you're not free, and um, because you, you have those thoughts. Uh, and I just felt I wanted to pray because um, you are free. And those thoughts are not actually in your heart. 
And that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get into your heart. He's trying to get you to take ownership of it. I love doctors. I've got two brothers as doctors. I love medicine. I, I, I love that God gave us this beautiful uh, profession and all of that. Um, but the danger is often we, we, we kind of, we, we, we believing the Lord, we trusting Him. Something happens, whatever. We go to the doctor and he gives it a name. And then we go away and, and people, because we love to you know, be there for one another, people phone, you go, yes, now I've got bronchial kofalikokalakavasalas. And, um, and I need to now take my medicine and my antibiotics and all of that. And the enemy goes, yes, chick ching. Um, I, I'm for doctors, but at, at best I love to just get them to name something that has to bow. So they find out something that has to bow, then I can pray. And please, I'm not advocating you not to take medicine. I, I'm just saying we're a people of faith, so I don't want to... I'll take my medicine from the doctor, but I will stand in faith and I'll begin to declare that thing has to bow in the name of Jesus. I want you to, if, if, if there's anyone here this morning that's battling with those thoughts, whatever, I, don't, I want you not to take ownership of it. I want you to just take a moment and say, is that in my heart? If that's not you, because we, we, the enemy has, over the years, made us really hard on ourselves. We're our biggest judges. Because we were the ones who know ourselves the most. And that's why Holy Spirit had to come and yet to remove. Because the past can separate you from the love of God. So he removed it. See, present and future can never separate you from the love of God. And when God says, All is yours, life, death, isn't that amazing? Death is yours. Dictates. You, you can dictate to death. You can make it bow to you. You can laugh in its face. It has no victory anymore. It's yours. You can use it as a, as a, as a, to glorify the Lord, actually. I don't have to fear it anymore. But he says, present and future are yours. Please let go of your past. And I know this is another profound thing, but let me just say this. Just what I've just said is your past. <laughs> your past isn't when you got born again, everything that was before that. Your past is, one second ago is past. See, God wants me to live in the now and going forward. Otherwise, that will speak to me. Because five seconds ago, I could have lied, I could have slapped the cat or whatever it is. And that would speak to me. like you, that, So God says, no, now. Now is yours. And future is yours. I don't know if we can catch that. 